today is Mission Awareness Sunday, and so we're spending some time this morning uh, before Pastor James comes out and teaches, we're going to show a little video um, uh, highlighting the work that we are doing and we're partnering in uh, in Uganda. And so this video is going to tell you a little bit about it, and then James is going to explain a little bit more. So check this video out. Hey Godspeak, this is Pastor James here. I'm here to talk to you guys about something cool that's in the work. The vision at Godspeak is always tip of the spear. Today we're here to talk about a ministry that's going on in the ends of the earth that's near and dear to my heart. And similarly, even more so on Pastor Craig's heart, which is out of Uganda um, specifically. And, and we come from different backgrounds and different places of being part of two different ministries that are happening currently in Uganda still. And we have a really unique opportunity to bridge the gap between three different ministries in Kampala, Uganda, underneath God Cares Ministry. Um, my parents took it over in 2007. The ministry itself, uh, the nonprofit here stateside, started in 1999. And then the first child was sponsored in 2002, where we broke ground. We have kids not only going to school, but also living at the same time. So there's dormitories, and there's soccer fields, and there's basketball courts, and there's auditorium. We're serving about 800 kids in our high school alone, but as a whole, we're around 1,800 kids total. So as we're looking to partner with Craig and also Pastor Fred, who has been working with our ministry for the past, I think, five years, where there's been a partnership between Pastor Fred and also God Cares. And they're all working as a partnership to get these kids to have an education where they wouldn't normally have the opportunity to have the education. We've opened up trade schools and we're getting kids into universities and they're the future leaders of this country that are going to make an impact for the gospel for generations to come. And to see what God is doing through the three ministries coming together is not something that is easily achievable, but through God, anything's possible. And we're really excited about what the Lord is doing. God gave us a verse when we first started the ministry, Isaiah chapter 58, verses 10 through 12. That verse says, those from among you will build the waste places. But what's really cool is to see all those young people that we did invest a lot in with training and education and even university education. And throughout it, we see that they have held on to their faith and they're doing ministry. They're reaching out to their community and investing in these young people's lives. It makes a difference. This is a massive help for them. So we have 21 students that we need to sponsor for their education. We have dormitories, so we need to pay for their education and we need to pay for their daily expenses, which is food, clothing, water. We're asking for $40 per student. Um, what you get with that is you get the opportunity to follow this child's life. You get to watch their educational growth. For those of you guys that feel that call to missions, to give you the opportunity to actually make that next step and go to Uganda and go to these places is definitely past your Craig's heart is for you guys to be able to step out of your comfort zone and we want you guys to be part of these ministries on the ground floor. So if the Lord is impressing on your heart to engage and also uh, financially support these children, we'd be immensely blessed, but we're really excited about what the Lord is doing, not only here at Godspeak and in America, but what he's doing around the world through this little church in Newberry Park. We're inviting you guys to, to take that next step, to stand in the gap and financially support this ministry. It's always fun to see how God brings different ministries and people together to further his kingdom, and I see that happening here. God bless you.
Yeah, so just to continue on uh, highlighting these ministries and what God is doing actively through this church and, and uh, the heart of God speak. Um, over here. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so basically what, what we're doing and what's really cool is this is nothing short of God working. Um, operations and NGOs and nonprofits in Uganda don't typically work this way where they're kind of helping out each other. And so we see the, the communing of three different ministries coming together. Um, and you just really see the heart of humility of everyone involved, specifically Pastor Craig and Pastor Fred, and just the willingness to be able to work together um, in unity. And so what we're seeing is um, a really cool opportunity for uh, kids from Pastor Fred, who has God Speak Uganda in Kampala, and then also Pastor Fred overlooking what was Pastor Craig's ministry that he started in Entebbe, so it was Calvary Chapel in Entebbe that he founded, um, and taking part in sending these kids from these two primary schools and sending them to a secondary through God Cares. So if you want to hear something really cool is that we've presented this to the first two services um, today, and we have already 50 sponsorships. So you guys can applause for that. Um, I love God Speak. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, uh, Bayambo was taken over by my family, and so was my mother, who was standing out there at table. She had to leave. Um, but we will have someone standing out there um, to answer questions. There are still about 12 more opportunities to sponsorship because we slid some more kids in there um, that are in need of sponsorship. But it's really cool to see what God is doing in and through um, these ministries. And it's not just giving to something that is so far away. It, it's, it's, it's really kind of following suit in what we're here about at God Speak, which is investing in the generations to come. Here at God Speak, we're, we're not just pulling back and saying, you know, Jesus comes soon. Of course we want that, but we, we don't abdicate our responsibility right now. And so we understand that the importance of a godly education to really inspire the next generation of leaders. And so as we have this secondary, as we have these high schoolers in Uganda, we're not just stopping there. We're, we're having them test into university, godly universities there, and then also developing trade schools there. We're developing and we're making uh, inroads to affecting this country that has been really devastated um, back in the 70s, there was a, a tyrannical ruler by the name of Idi Amin that went into power, and, and there's an estimated killing of 300 to 500,000 people. Um, and kind of the, the neat story about uh, not Idi Amin specifically, but Pastor Craig and, and the start of his ministry is where he founded and bought land in Entebbe, Uganda, was a garbage dump. There was nothing there, but it was right on Lake Victoria, and it's this beautiful property, and you go there now, and you would never think that it was a garbage dump, and, and they paved the road just to get back, and there's a, f a flourishing society because of what Pastor Craig and God working through him and his wife and, and all the opportunity there did, and founded a school and a church, and then what you see is that when the mayor came out to, to, to bless the, the school and the church, he said, not only was this a garbage dump, but this was one of the killing fields. Of Idi Amin. And so a place that was meant for death is now used for life. And what a blessing that is. And that's kind of the, yeah, you can, you can applaud for that. And now with partnering and going into Bayamba, you just see these mixings of worlds. And I've been a part of God Speak for about seven years, Craig for about six, and we both have a heart for Uganda. But in turn, we, we, we want to mirror what we're after here in America is that we're going after education. We want to make inroads to affect the future leaders and future generations for good, for the kingdom. 
right? And so we're guys inviting you guys to, to participate and, and prayerfully consider um, donating your, your time and, and your money to sponsoring one of these kids and, and uh, see what the Lord wants to do. But first and foremost, I want you to, I'm asking, I'm challenging guys to pray for this ministry and pray for what God is doing in Uganda as well as praying for what God is doing here. It's pretty amazing to see what God is doing through this little church in Newbury Park and how, they're, how it's having effects across the globe. And in a lot of ways, what God speak is doing is just being obedient to where the Holy Spirit is leading. And so I want you guys to be obedient with whatever the Holy Spirit is um, impressing upon your hearts today. So just consider it, get more information, but prayerfully uh, consider standing alongside us and, and just providing for the next generation in Uganda as we also look to stand in the gap for our generation here and the schools here. Um, so today, we're going to be going to the scriptures, and we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Um, bat and clean up today. We have our pastors going to different places, and, and super blessed to have the opportunity to be before uh, you guys today, and, and excited about what the Lord is doing, and prayerfully considering what he wanted me to teach to you guys today, and, and, I, and I was moved, um, because it happened to be Mission Sunday, and then I have the opportunity to teach today. And then to know what the Lord is doing in the background and, and things that we never see and, and places that we might never go or have the opportunity to go. But God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent, right? And so God is working and active all over the planet. And it's so comforting to me knowing that, that he is constantly in the move because there's real evil in this world. There's evil that wants to take down our society. There's evil that wants to destroy countries. There's evil that wants, Satan in particular, wants to destroy you. And we know that from scripture. Pastor Dongo specifically is the one who started my parents' ministry um, in the 90s. Uh, the first thing that you notice about Pastor Dongo, he's since passed in 2015, but was his, this, this, this smile, this beautiful big smile. He was, it was infectious. It made you want to smile. You just knew God would love this man. But then the second thing that you would notice upon meeting him would be the fingers that were blown off. And it was during Eden Means reign that uh, before he had children, him and his wife were uh, running. And they were in their home. And he came out to uh, basically ward off the, the people that were coming through the village. Um, from Idi Amin's um, crew, and he said, we don't have anything, I'm just a minister, I'm just a farmer, please don't kill us, and they ended up taking some plates, and, but as they were leaving, and, and his wife Florence was hiding at the time, he went into the doorway, and he, he told this story that he felt the Holy Spirit told him to get out of the way, and upon doing that, they shot rounds into the house, and he had his hand in the doorway and blew off the, the last three of his fingers. And the way that this God has moved through, the way that God has moved through this man and also into his family for generations speaks to God on the move and, and how important it is to inspire because typically what happens in an environment in a, a nonprofit like this over in Uganda is that once the head guy passes away, everything else disperses. Everything else is taken over, there's infighting, there's, it, just, it gets, just gets torn apart because there's money involved. But what was really cool to see is that the children were the ones that took over. The children were the ones that are standing in the gap, and now his children are running this nonprofit and running this school where we have about 1,800 kids in our care. And so God is doing a generational thing, which is what we're after here at Godspeak. We're, we're interested in, in generational spiritual wealth, 
right? We're, we're invested in investing in, into our children, into their education, so that they might be successful down the road in spreading the kingdom, spreading the good news, to be not apathetic, but to be involved in our community, right? And that's, that's what we're here to do, right? That's what we're here to do. But I was also, I had the opportunity this week, um, and something that I was moved by, and, and there's kind of some parallels that we see, um, but we see, uh, I had the opportunity to go to the Reagan Library on Friday, and they just started the uh, exhibit, um, the Auschwitz exhibit. Um, little did I know that when we showed up, it was opening day, so it was packed. <laughs> um, but super thankful and really uh, eye-opening. I've been to the Holocaust Museum in both D.C. and in Israel. Um, but for whatever reason, this one hit me in a different capacity this time. This one um, really moved me. And we know that it, specifically in Auschwitz, there was an estimated 1.1 million people were killed in this camp alone. And I learned on Friday that about 80% were killed almost immediately upon arrival. And they started with the children and the caretakers and then the elderly. And they split up from men and women from there. And I'm reminded that things happen so quickly. Things happen so quickly. And I can only speak to the Christians in the room and that are watching but we have a different way in which we approach the world, a different way in which we see the world, and a different calling unto this world, and that is to, to stop evil wherever we can, to be salt and light, to hold back evil until Christ comes back. But to determine what is evil in the beginning stages takes discernment and prayer on when to move and when to act, and this is where I believe we find ourselves in this country today. Most of us don't really want to see America fail. And yet, most of us don't believe that it ever can. Or that it's even possible, but I believe that it is possible. That's why I believe that scripture is so vital. The word of God needs to be teached and lived out and be implemented. That we can't just abdicate our responsibility in every facet of society. That we have to be involved. We can't just relegate the responsibility of government and, and, and school systems and businesses to, to the people that don't believe in God, right? <laughs> Shouldn't we be involved in that? Shouldn't we be involved in, in, in the way in which society is unveiling? Yeah, see? Praise God. And the mere fact that Jesus hasn't returned yet means that there's more work to be done. I don't think that there's a generation that's existed of Christians that hasn't thought that they were the last generation. The only thing that I know is that today we are closer than yesterday to Jesus returning and that no one knows the day or the hour. So while we're still here on this earth, we got work to do. So I want to encourage you guys and challenge you guys and we'll get into the scripture. Amen. All right. So let's get to it. Luke chapter eight, verse four. If you guys want to stand for the reading of the word. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him, talking about Jesus, from every city he spoke by a parable. And the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground and sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. 
And when he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9, then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Quoting Isaiah. Verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should be believed and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fall among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep and bear fruit with patience. And that is our passage today. Let's pray over it. Gracious Father, thank you so much for the gift of today, Lord. Thank you for the things that you're actively doing um, here that we know about and the things that we don't know about the things that are happening across the world that that you're still impacting, the people that you love that we know nothing about. It just speaks to the goodness and the faithfulness of who you are, that that you came for the entirety of the world, that they should know you and know your son. Father, I pray that you would bless today, that you would move my flesh out of the way and the things that I would want to say and that you would speak openly and freely, Lord. We're thankful for your spirit. We're thankful for your presence. We know that when two or more are gathered in your name, for surely you are there. So we're we're thankful. You need no invitation. You are the guest of honor this morning. We love you, Jesus, and we pray that you would convict, encourage, and strengthen all of us. And all these things we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. So many of you guys have heard this parable before. And I want to go through it and, and really look to offer some encouragement and maybe a refresher. The first two services this morning, uh, Pastor Rob talked out of the, the book of Exodus and really highlighted the importance of Sabbath, highlighted the, the, the importance of taking rest in the Lord and putting things that are distracting aside. And we can be discouraged in, in the life in which we live and, and the way in which we're, we're living as we're trying to love on our, on our enemies, on our family, on our, on our friends, on those people that, that, we're, that we're doing life with or maybe the people at the coffee shop. And it just feels like an endless stream of people that are just disappointments <laughs> because they just don't get it and you just want them to wake up. And you, you tell them about Jesus or you love them in such a way that brings about conversation and then nothing happens. And there can be discouragement from that. But recognize in the economy of grace in which God provides every action and everything that we speak into existence has eternal ramifications. Every truth spoken, every scripture spoken does not return void. And so there are seeds that are consistently being planted in the world around us. And are we being obedient to spread that word? So today we're talking about Jesus preaching and, and giving this parable, and what's so cool, just to give you a little bit of context, to give you a picture of where he's, he's going through town to town, and this is kind of his second pass through this, the region of Galilee, and so much so that people are, 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 are coming by the hundreds and the thousands, and he's teaching from a boat. <laughs> There's so many people on shore that he's just off, and he's teaching this parable from, from a boat. And when the, the great multitude had gathered, they come to him for every city, and he spoke by parable, which is so interesting. 
One of, one of my favorite little stories in, in the Gospels is out of John 6, 15. It says, and this is a different um, setting, but a similar setting after he fed the 5,000. It said, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. And why do I highlight that? Because Jesus had every opportunity to step into a political authority, and he didn't. Because he had a kingdom position that was awaiting him, but his time was not yet to be brought before the, the Pharisees in Rome, in Jerusalem. But as he, was, as he was partaking in his ministry and he was healing people and doing these signs and wonders, they actually at one point got so excited they wanted to thrust him into kingship. And he said no. He ruled from a place of humility and consistency. But here we see Jesus start to teach people in parable. And sometimes that can seem confusing. But the reason that Jesus taught in the parable is that this is where we get this English word parallel. And so we have this, this Greek context and this word parable uh, means to, to, to bring about this heavenly truth combined with an earthly story. And so it's in parable that Jesus spoke this way and it wasn't for everyone to hear. Only those that were able to discern. And so a sower went out to sow his seed. We see everyone had an understanding of what this meant because as a society, they didn't have grocery stores and we know that everyone knew what it meant to grow things. And the way in which they grew things back then is they just tossed seed everywhere. They might have a field or any open space, they would just toss seed. And after they tossed seed, then they would till the soil. So it's just this idea of this sower with this bag and he's just tossing seed wherever he's going. It doesn't matter. And so we're highlighting the four different types of soil. Jesus highlighted the four different types of soil. Some, sell, uh, some fell by the wayside. Some fell on the rock. Some fell among thorns. Others fell on good ground. And the wayside, we can kind of relate that to a sidewalk. The path where people walked, it was hard ground. Nothing could grow there. It was, it was so hard, there was no opportunity for that seed to take root. On rock, there was, there was some soil, but it was a rocky surface underneath, and it was just like a stony shelf. And they might be able to spring up quickly, maybe the cracks in the sidewalk where you could see a, a little weed shoot up, right? You have this, 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 this little tiny growth, but not much, and soon it will die. And then among thorns described that the soil was fertile, but maybe perhaps too fertile. Because the thorns were grown as, as well as the good seed. It choked out the good grain and didn't make a productive crop. It was useless. And then there was good ground. Described soil that was both fertile and weed-free. The crop that maybe a hundredfold increased to what was sown. And we know that when scripture, when the word is received and there's actual growth, there is fruit that comes. And that is of the Lord. He said to he who has ears, let him hear. See, this was a, a call for those who are spiritually sensitive to take note. For most people, maybe in that crowd, they didn't really have any understanding of what, they were, what he was talking about. Like, why are you, we're, we're here for the miracles, Jesus. Like, why are you talking to us about farming? <laughs> like, I, I get it. Like, we're supposed to grow crops. It's great. But he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. And what's funny is that even the disciples didn't know what the heck he was talking about. Isn't that, isn't that frustrating? Maybe frustrating as a teacher or a parent or someone that you're investing in. Like you've tried to teach them a skill or tried to teach them. And they just like look at you with like, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. 
you're trying to teach a four-year-old kid like math. Four plus four equals what? Right? And, and, and maybe your four-year-olds are smarter than the ones I know. But, the <laughs> but you can imagine Jesus being almost frustrated. And his disciples in verse 9 said, asked him, what does this parable mean? But Jesus didn't shoo him off and he didn't disregard them. He said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But the, the rest is given in parables. That seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. In the Bible... A mystery isn't something you can't figure out. It's something that you would never know unless God revealed it to you. See, there's, there's mysteries, and, and it takes a, a, a discernment of the Holy Spirit in order to capture what the essence is. Rob talks about this, but the Bible is the only book in which you don't read it, it reads you. And as you're prayerfully considering what the Lord is looking to teach you in a given setting like the one in which you're in today or in a a solitude setting where you're just pursuing the word, it takes a discernment. It takes a perspective. It takes the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. Verse 11, and he explains it. The parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. And so we have this understanding. He teaches it specifically that this seed is the word of God. Spurgeon said this, that the preacher of the gospel is like the sower. He does not make his seed. It is given him by his divine master. No man could create the smallest grain that ever grew up on earth, much less the celestial seed of eternal life. So as I come before you today, I'm giving you the spiritual seed. I'm giving you the good news, the kingdom of God. And in turn, you receive that seed, and then you have growth. And then in turn, you have now a responsibility of the Great Commission, right? What's the Great Commission? To go into all nations. To go into all nations and make disciples of all men. And that's commissioned to all of us, not just the teachers and the preachers and the people that are serving in church. You guys are a royal priesthood. You guys are sons and daughters of the king. You now have that responsibility to teach, to love, to serve like Jesus did. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Solid ground. Birds devoured the seed on the wayside. There's a hardened heart. If any of you guys have had the opportunity to, to talk to someone about Jesus and it just feels like you're just, you're, you're chucking seed out and it's hitting you right back in the face. And you're like, I'm not making a difference in this person's life. How could I ever serve this person? How could I ever love this person? I don't understand what is, why am I here? <laughs> to the wayside soil represented those who never heard the word with understanding. They didn't even try, they didn't care. It's like that teenage kid that's dragged to church because it's Sunday. <laughs> I was one of those child children. I, I was one of those teenagers that got dragged to church. And I was jaded by church. I didn't care about church. I had my relationship with God, but I didn't care about church. And I sat with my arms folded and judging everything that the teacher was saying and mostly playing on my phone. <laughs> my heart was hard. My, my, my heart was hard. My heart was hard. <laughs> And I didn't have an understanding. But it also gives way to notice that 
There are birds that are coming to take away this seed. There's a wicked one that takes away the word. And recognizing that Satan is actively at work to distract you, to prevent you from accepting that seed. You have, uh, you have someone in the eternal sense that wants your demise. Or someone that doesn't want you to have a holy understanding. Or someone that wants to distract you from what the Lord is trying to tell you. And I'm mindful of this because the enemy is a deceiver. And, and what Satan figured out, at least for the time being, is that Christians no longer need to be killed. Christians no longer need to be persecuted in the streets. As long as Satan can render you apathetic and useless and unwilling to engage, he's won. Because if you stay in your bubble and you stay in your church, that's exactly where Satan wants you. You start stepping into community. You start stepping out, outside of these walls. That's when Satan has a problem. That's when Satan turns up the heat. And I'm mindful of the exhibit that I saw on the Auschwitz camp and seeing how evil Satan is and that the devil is a liar luring us in. And the deception that was going on in that time, the deception that was going on in the church, the deception that was going on in Germany and around the world, but to the Jews even specifically, that they were lured into ghettos and they had to live in a ghetto and then they were lured onto the trains and then they were lured into the gas chambers and it was always with the promise of something better. It was always lured in with the sense that, well, there's something else waiting for you on the other side of this, this train. Right? We have jobs and we have a location. We have something for you that's better than what you're experiencing right now. And then being lured into the gas chamber as they were told to strip down, they, they, they had different hooks and sections that were numbered. And they said, leave your clothes here. and Remember what number you have because when you come back, you need to know where your clothing is. With hope of a promise of a future. That is satanic and deceptive because they were lured to their death. Over 1.1 million people were killed in that camp alone. And today, the devil knows the right time to come even during this setting, in a preaching setting, in a teaching setting, to lure your distraction, to phone to go off, or a baby to cry, or for us to think about the, all the things that we need to do during football season, what the score is that's going on, anything to distract us from what God is trying to tell us, from what God is trying to teach us in that moment. The next one, the next soil, the ones that are rock who have, when they heard it, received the word with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. They have good seed, warm environment. They received the word and they were excited about it and they were eager, but they had a lack of moisture. They didn't have the capability of fully receiving the nourishment of the word, the living water the consistency, and so when a time of temptation came, they folded. No fruit was ever produced. They get excited about church, and they get excited about community, and their life gets hard. See, when Jesus gave us the great commission to go out into all the world and make disciples of all men, it's more than just conversion of all men. It's more than just raising your hand and saying, I accept the Lord. No, no, no. Discipleship is lordship. You are accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life. 
That means your decisions are no longer your own. You're giving it, surrendering it unto the Lord. And sometimes when we just receive an altar call, and I've been there and I've, I've, I've responded to probably 10 altar calls in my life and been baptized three times. Why do I feel the need to do that again, right? Because life got real and then I gave up my faith. Life got hard and I said, God, you're not real because you wouldn't allow this to happen. No, no, no. In turn, we have this understanding that life does get hard. Jesus promises it. But what do you do in the midst of it? How do you respond in the midst of it? Is there fruit in times of turmoil? Or do we respond the, re- the way in which the rest of the world does? Do we drink ourselves into oblivion? Do we go into a hole? Do we get locked into a, a funnel of pornography? Whatever your, vix- whatever your vice is. See, we don't suffer the way the rest of the world suffers. We suffer with hope. We suffer with understanding. We suffer knowing that Christ wins. Under the book of Job, it says, Yea, though he slay me, still still will I praise him. And having this understanding that we offer our lives as living sacrifices so that others may know the kingdom of God and the love that God provides. So it's saying, Lord, if I need to go through this circumstance so that other people may receive eternal life, so be it. We all struggle through death. There's a tragedy of sin in this world. It is the reality that we will all come to know is death on this planet. We have friends and relatives and people that we may know that are going to pass. We're going to experience tragedy, but here's the reality is that everyone does, the believer and the non-believer. But how we endure and how we persevere is linked and tied directly to our testimony. You go to a memorial service for a non-believer, it's devastating. It's sad. It's tragic. You go to a memorial service for a believer, it might be sad, but we're celebrating. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord that person is enjoying their eternal reward. See, with a shallow faith, we can never experience this. With a shallow faith, we're going to experience the hardships of this life, and we're going to leave this alone because it's easier the other way. That way is broad that leads to death gate that leads to life in the throne room of grace is small. Now the ones that fell among the thorns when they had heard go out and are choked by cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. And so we find ourselves in the third soil, a soil that is probably too fertile. Ones that receive the word and are excited about the word but then get overwhelmed by everything else that the world is offering and then you find that your fruit is useless because you allowed idols to take way, to take heart. We're open to everything. We're excited about everything. <laughs> Namely, the cares and the riches and pleasures of this life. And I think that's where a lot of us find ourselves. And I'm guilty of this as well. 
is that I care too much about what is going on in the world around me. I care too much about instant gratification and what I'm doing next and what I'm learning and, and all those things. And those aren't necessarily bad things, but when they supersede my relationship with Jesus, that's when they get in the way. And when you're consistently letting things get in the way of your relationship with Jesus, your fruit and your growth is going to get choked out. And the fourth soil, the ones that fell on good ground, are those who have, have hearing, uh, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. They keep the word and thus bear fruit and fulfilling the purpose of the seed. And this is what we're after, bear fruit with patience. This is the desired outcome for the farmer and the preacher and all of those that are willing to spread the seed. This parable is a challenge for us as believers, and hopefully non-believers, but specifically for us as believers, to cultivate our individual soil. That things can get in the way, right? But what I wanted to highlight to you guys today is that we have these soils and we have this understanding that we get to this point where we're receiving the word and it's in good soil and then we experience growth and there's fruit from that growth. But the encouragement today is that we're workers of the field. It says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And what I mean by that is that participating in this life with others around us, we want to be helpful in their growth. We recognize that everyone is in different stage of a healthy soil. As we're looking to invest in non-believers, we're looking to invest in the people around us. They might not be ready to receive that seed, but does that negate the, the, the calling upon us to, to spread it? How do we be helpful in their growth? Teachers and parents and bosses and employees are called to share the gospel. But we know the feeling of people ignoring us and feel like we're not getting through, as I highlighted before. You're throwing seed, and it just feels like it goes nowhere. We get discouraged if we see nothing grow in the lives that we're committed to, the fruit of our labor. We never know the impact that we're having on somebody's life, and it could be years down the road, it could be months down the road. We may never see that person again. But in the moments where we're serving someone and maybe we don't receive a thank you, or maybe there's no response, and we feel like it's wasted, it's not. You're actively trying to break the hard ground of someone's soul by loving and serving them. You're pulling out rocks of, of life, of distraction. You're pulling out weeds. And sometimes your hands end up getting broken or bruised or bloodied because we're pulling out the thorns in someone else's soil. And it can be discouraging. It can, it can feel like there's no purpose in what we're doing. We're just throwing out another rock or we're just trying to, to break the concrete of someone's life, of someone's understanding, and we just feel like it's hopeless. And yet we're still called to work the fields, to serve people that seemingly there is no hope, to love our enemies, to engage in this community and in this society that we've been called to. It's not by accident that you live here. It's not by accident that you go to church here. You're called to this community. No, how, no matter how insurmountable the odds are, you and God makes a majority in any situation. 
So whether you're stepping into a school, whether you're stepping into a business or to a career in acting or, or whatever it may be, recognize you're called to serve in a capacity that can often be discouraging. When we experience genuine growth and we see someone actually come to the Lord, we get to rejoice in it, right? We get to rejoice in that someone gave their life unto the Lord and they're, they're actually taking it seriously and they're, 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 they're turning over a new leaf and they're, they're, they're surrendering everything unto the Lord. But the growth was never in our hands. The growth is all the Lord. That means the responsibility of someone else's salvation doesn't rest upon our shoulders. And that can be freeing or that can be frightening. Because in our minds, we think, well, what if I just told them a little bit more about Jesus before they passed? Or in their minds, maybe I should have just prayed a little bit more for my, my daughter or their son, and maybe they would have came to Jesus. You have to release that unto the Lord. The recognizing to be obedient in the moment, that is where we're glorifying the Lord. No matter how hard it is, no matter how hard the ground is that we're working unto, to be obedient in the moment to serve the, the, the loved ones and the people around us. 1 Corinthians 3, they were having a, a discussion about whose followers was, 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 who were they, Apollos or Paul? And it said, verse 5, what after all this is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord assigned each to his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. There is blessing to be found in obedience. When we're obedient unto the Lord, it can be frustrating, it can be tiring. But I want to encourage you guys that there's relief to be found in knowing that God has it. God's will will be done, and the growth is God's responsibility. And what's so cool is that in a community of believers, in a community in which God is using as the, as the church at large, pursuing people, is that you never know what interaction a person has throughout the day. Even though you might have your sole focus on this one person and, and making sure that they know that they are loved by Jesus, you don't know the other circumstances in which God is using other people to love them in a different way, that might get through the crack, that might be able to break the ground, that might be able to tear away the distractions of this world. And that's the faithfulness of God that we get to rest in, to be anxious for nothing. And recognizing that we're called to this world, but not to be of it. To quote J. Vernon McGee, it's okay to be tired in the work, but not of it. As we're working, as we're filling out our calling and our passion, or maybe just doing our job, it's okay when we get tired. But when we start getting tired of that responsibility, start getting tired of that work as a whole, that's when we know we're far from the Lord. That's when we know we're not getting our sustenance. That's when we know we're not taking the Sabbath that we need to get filled up. We're all leaky vessels. So as we're taking in, we have to pour out. 
but we have to continually go back to that tap and receive the living water of Christ. That's why it's your individual responsibility to have a relationship with Jesus. Coming to church on Sunday is not enough. My wife quoted this the other day, and I love this line. It says, the, the, the living bread is meant for daily sustenance. The living bread is not a cake in which we have on special occasions. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? As cheesy as that is, right? But having an understanding that we need that daily sustenance of the Lord. We have to have a relationship with the Lord, and we have to have those moments of Sabbath. Maybe it's not an entire day of Sabbath, but it's just a time in which you get away from your phones and the TV and the screens and, and, and the reality of this world, and you just spend time with Jesus. In that moment where Jesus, want, when, when the people wanted to make Jesus king, what did he do? He, he fled, and he spent time alone with his father. Because what was the temptation there? Pride. Right? In that moment, Satan wanted to say, yeah, you could be king. You could be king right now. And Jesus says, no, I need to go spend time with my father. And so in those moments when we're tempted to be distracted, in those moments when we're overwhelmed with anxiety of the circumstances of this world, it doesn't take long watching Fox News, <laughs> reading the Internet to be us, for us to be overwhelmed by what is going on. But don't get to a place where you're in overload paralysis. You have all this information coming in and you just feel like you can't do anything. No, God can do it and he's going to do it. But it's our responsibility to be obedient in what is in front of us. What is God calling you to right now? Who are the people that God is calling you to in your world, in your environment? It could be one person. It could be the barista at a coffee shop. It could be the person bagging your groceries. It takes a discernment. It takes an understanding. It takes a willingness to surrender. Like I said, Pastor Rob taught us in the first two services, and I encourage you guys to go back and listen. When you're feeling tired, take Sabbath. Are you taking actual rest in the Are you reading the scripture just to read the scripture to check that quote? Or are you actually investing time? Are you prayerfully considering what the scripture is intently saying to you, for you, for us? There's a call upon each and every one of your lives. None of you are by accident. God is very pro-life. God is very intentional. And each of you has a story, and each of you has a background, and each of you has a calling. And a whole community of people that you can affect right now. But don't let yourselves get in the way. Don't, you let, don't let yourselves be discouraged in the work. You're workers of the field. You might get beat up. Your hands might get bloodied or broken. But you're called to it. So take rest in knowing Christ loves you and has a plan for you. But the world in which we're living in is not the one that we're destined to. We're called to the next life. We're called to that eternity with Christ. So let's get as many people as we can before he comes back. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you for the nourishment in which we receive today. I pray that all of us would be surrendered unto you in, in such a way that, that we would go to you in those times of trial and go to you in those times of, of tiredness and when we're feeling overwhelmed or we're feeling anxious or there's something going on in our life that seems insurmountable, Lord, I pray that all of us will be encouraged to take those moments in which we spend with you and get away from the noise and the distraction and invest in our relationship with you to go to your word, to, to hear your still small voice, and to, to be intently trying to discern what you were teaching us in that moment. Father, this world is in desperate need of a touch from you. And I pray that you would activate the believers in this room into their calling, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would light a fire underneath their belly and get them excited about what you're doing in their lives. My life included, Lord, all of us in this room. You are so good. You are so great. You are so faithful. Thank you for the things that you're doing in our lives that we can see, and thank you for the things that you're doing in the life that we can't. We love you, Jesus, and all these things we pray. Amen.